Well, this morning we continue our series in Love Letters from God. And we start, as always, with our key verse, which is John 3.16. And then we are also going to read from Joshua. We've made it to Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. So John 3.16. And then I'll ask you to stand this morning as we read God's word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Joshua 1, 1, 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let us pray. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. May my words be your heart in my voice to your people. You have told us you love us. Help us to know your love and live it every day of our lives. Amen. You may be seated. In the Old Testament, who besides Adam and Eve has no parents? Joshua, the son of Nun. Really? These are the, jo- these are the, the preacher jokes. Do you know baseball was created in Genesis? In the beginning? The first car mentioned in the Bible is in Acts. They were all in one accord. Oh my goodness. The struggle is real, Lord. The struggle is real. Uh, Well, that's because they're preacher jokes. They're kind of like dad jokes, but they're funnier. Really, truly, they are. Anyway, in all seriousness, we now find ourselves at the book of Joshua. And Joshua tells us the story of Israel as a conqueror in the land that they were promised. 
It tells the story of how they start on one side of the Jordan River and God calls them across the Jordan and into enemy territory and they begin to conquer city and nation after another. But before any of that can begin, God gives Joshua a pep talk. It's kind of a good pep talk. God probably only does really good ones. But he says, Joshua, I know Moses is gone. Moses was your mentor and your leader for a really long time. I know that you trusted him and you understood him and you talked with him. But I was with him and I'm going to be with you. Joshua tells, or God tells Joshua three times, be strong and courageous because you'll lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You will lead. You need to obey. And I will be with you. In these things, Joshua is urged, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. You will do what I have called you to do. You will lead. They will inherit. You need to be brave and encouraged. I will be with you. You need to obey to be successful in what you do. And then the whole book of Joshua, the rest of the book, after this little paragraph where God tells Joshua what he's going to do and how he's going to do it through Joshua, the rest of the book is God actually doing it. He gives Joshua the idea to send some spies into Jericho. He only sends two instead of 12. It's probably a good idea. He learned his lesson from seeing 12 get sent the first time. And God protects those spies. Gives them cover when they need it. They're standing on the edge of a giant river that is at flood stage. And God takes them across it by letting them walk through on dry land. Sound familiar? Kind of like what happened at the Red Sea? God does the same thing for Joshua, not just so that he can get the people to the other side, but so that the people will see that God is with Joshua. They cross over to the other side. They do some very strange things in their conquering of these nations. Joshua, the book of Joshua has some very interesting battle plans and battle strategies. He sends the spies in and they tell this Rahab person protects them. God looks out for her too. He says, okay, Rahab, you helped out. You're also going to be in the line of Jesus. But he tells the Israelites how they're going to conquer Jericho. He tells Joshua, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get up early in the morning on Monday morning. And you're going to, um, you're going to march around the building. 
everybody's just gonna march right around the building and then you're gonna come back home and then on Tuesday morning you're gonna do the same thing and he tells them this every single day they're gonna do this march around the building or around I'm sorry the, a town the giant town with all these big walls and they go and they march around and they do this and then on the seventh day God says march seven times and when you get to the end, blow your trumpets, and the walls are going to fall down. Now, the Israelites are not unaccustomed to battle. They have been in battles before. Um, they have never been in one quite like this one. But the thing is, God does exactly what he says he's going to do. They walk in. They march around the town, they march around the town, they march around the town, they do that. The seventh day, they march seven times, they blow the trumpets, the walls fall down. And they go in and they conquer. I think God did it that way to prove to them that this was not about them, that this was not about how strong or mighty they were militarily, but it was about what God was going to do for them. And we see throughout the book of Joshua stories about really interesting battle strategies, and I'm not going to go through all of them because it is 24 chapters, so you'd be here a really long time. I encourage you to read it. It's fascinating. But at the very end, Joshua gathers all the people together one more time, right before they're now going to go and exist in this land that they've now conquered, and they're going to rest. And he says to them, okay, you've got your inheritance. God has made a way for this to happen to you. And Joshua's last proclamation to them includes this admonition for them to decide always to go where God tells them to go, to follow God going forward. You might have seen part of this inscribed on a little plaque hanging from someone's wall. But Joshua says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves today who you are going to serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. He's saying, make a decision right now. Pick. Are you going to serve those gods who failed you, who didn't do anything for you? the idols that the people even in this country worshiped that we've now defeated? Or are you going to serve the God who brought you out, who led you forward, who stood beside you, who fought for you in all of these places? And of course, the people agree to serve the Lord who has rescued them and established them in the promised land. And, and it's easy to see why. God's promises have all been true for them every single step of the way. 
God was with them in this task. God gave them strength and courage when they lacked it. And God gave them all that had been promised from the beginning. And for a really long time, the rest of that generation and several more, the people were obedient to God. But what does the story of Joshua and the fulfillment of those promises say to us? How can we see God's love for us in the way God worked in that place and in that time? I think the story of Joshua says that when God calls us to do something, God is faithful to his promises. All of these stories from Genesis to Joshua and the rest of scripture too, of course, they're a picture of God's faithfulness. Over and over and over again, God says what's going to happen and then God does what he said he was going to do. If God commands us or calls us or promises us, God will see it through. So for us as Christians, we have a call on our lives. We have something that God has called us to do, all of us. We have been called to follow Jesus. We are to follow Christ and be ambassadors of his love and our hope in him to everyone that we encounter. And we can accept the same promises for us that God makes to Joshua at the very beginning of this book to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid, to not be discouraged, because God will be with us wherever we go. We don't do it alone. We can stand tall in the face of adversity. We can fight through challenges and hardships. We can live out our faith and we can do it with strength and courage because we know God is faithful. Because we know God has promised that God will be with us wherever we go. Our commitment to following Jesus means we do not stay where we are. We do not remain stagnant in our faith. We do not live the same as everyone else. Instead, we forgive our enemies. We love others even when it's hard. We live our faith by standing up for those who can't speak, who can't stand for themselves. We live our faith by being strong and courageous for those who don't have strength and courage. We can't stay on one side of the Jordan River and wait for the battle to come to us. We have to go and do. You can't follow if you aren't moving. So how do we go? We go by taking food to those who need it. We go by giving sacrificially. We go by doing projects around the church. We go by standing up for someone who is being bullied. We go by showing others we love them when they look most unlovable. No matter what our going looks like, our following looks like, we go because we have been called and we go knowing that we can be strong and courageous.
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God will be with you wherever you go. As we have done every week in this series, I remind you of what it looks like to say that the love of God is found in every page of Scripture. What does it mean to say God loves? God loved us enough to create us, to form us from the dust. God loved us enough to let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's, to let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. God loved us enough to provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. God loved us enough to show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. God loved us enough to show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. God loved us enough to send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. God loved us enough to see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. God loved us enough to raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like him. God loved us enough to want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. God loves us enough to still let us choose our destiny. God loves us enough to promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead and judgment. God loves us enough. God loved us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week, most tangibly, as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go, love the world with him.